0: So we are now in week three of the Lord's Prayer. John opened up with the first two portions where he gave you the preface, which gave us the background of Matthew chapter 6. And then he went into the first part where we're discussing who it actually is that we are praying to, and that is our Father. And from that we saw that because we have a Father, we are children of God. We are adopted. We are no longer enemies of God, but now considered children and inherit all the blessings through Christ our Lord. So now as we move forward here in the Lord's prayer, we come to what would be known as the first petition of the Lord's prayer. It's what we ask when we pray to our Father. It's one of the first things that we pray. And as you look at the prayer, In fact, you could put that back up, please. As you look at the prayer, we see that there are six petitions within the prayer itself. First three, being directed to our Father, right? Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then the latter three, being directed to our neighbor. So it kind of reminds us of the commandments, If you remember the Ten Commandments, we have a set of commandments dedicated rather to loving God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then another set towards loving our neighbor as ourselves. So it should be no surprise if that is the way that God wants us to live our lives, that our prayer life would be structured in the same way. That our prayer life would be geared towards loving the Lord, our God, with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength and loving, loving rather our neighbor as ourselves. If you've heard leading up to the sermon, one of the things I continually prayed this morning is that we would truly focus on God. And I think what this prayer helps us to do is exactly that because our tendency is to focus on who? Ourselves. That's our tendency. So the prayer is a reminder, just like the commandments, to take the focus off yourself and put it where it needs to be, and that is on our Heavenly Father and our neighbor. And the prayer does exactly the same thing. So this week, again, as we look at the first petition in the prayer, which is, hallowed be thy name, we come to a word that we don't use too often in the English language except one time a year. Halloween, right? So October 31st typically is the only time I hear anybody use the word hallow. Other than that, it's not a word that we typically use in our vocabulary. So what does it actually mean to hallow something? And I'm not saying hollow, so we're not hollowing out something for all our woodworkers, which, PJ, I will continue to say, you probably look like a woodworker only because you have a mustache and you wear flannel shirts. But that's another story for another time. So simply defined, hallow means to honor as Holy. So we're taking something and we're setting it apart as holy. We're essentially putting it up on a pedestal if we were to use some common vernacular and not treating it as anything else. I'm going to give you some other definitions to help us with this concept of hallowed that I got as I was studying. So, Justo Gonzalez says to hallow or to make holy means to set aside for Divine service. And as he brings forth that definition, he references Genesis chapter 2, verse 3, where God blesses the seventh day and hallows it. Right? So the seventh day, God is finished with his creation and he rests, therefore, hallowing the seventh day. <clears throat> Gonzalez continues, though, in this definition. He says, Biblical holiness does not consist in being morally pure or ritually clean, but rather in being set aside for the service of God. It is when this setting aside takes place, and hallowed places and people point to God's holiness, that the name of God is hallowed among God's people. And I'm going to read that again, because this is pretty much going to be a common thread throughout the sermon. Biblical holiness does not consist in being morally pure or ritually clean. So again, knowing man as we know man, I could try to be as ethically and morally pure as I want to be, but I could be doing it for the wrong reasons. I could be doing it, as we see, in terms of that preface of the prayer that we came to, I could be doing it for the praise of man. So man's praise would be directed towards me, instead of living my life in a certain way, that that praise would be directed towards God. But he says, but rather in being set aside for the service of God. So here I am, I could be a broken vessel, but with a correct heart. And because I have that correct heart, my service can still be dedicated towards the Lord. And we see that all throughout the Bible in certain characters, which we're not here to put our focus on those characters, so I'm not going to go into detail with that. <clears throat> but remember, it is when this setting aside takes place, in hallowed places and people point to God's holiness, that the name of God is hallowed among God's people. And that's our mission. It's something that we say from the pulpit time and time again, right? We are here to do what? Show the world what God is like. That is the mission of the people of God. If we're doing anything else, we can call ourselves a lot of things, but we are not being the people of God because the mission of the people of God is to point towards God so that the world might see what God is like. Another definition or concept is from William Edgar, and he says the following. Hallowed be thy name not only acknowledges the heavenly father as the ultimate, the beginning, the meaning behind all things, but it actually praises him for it. So it's one thing to acknowledge it, but we bring forth praise once we recognize it. To put it simply, the Lord's prayer is a prayer, and it begins as a prayer of worship. The prayer is that not only that the name be holy for everyone, but to the one or ones praying to you and me. So we are to see that God is holy. J.I. Packer notes the following. He says that hallowed means known, acknowledged, and honored as holy. Holy is the Bible word for all that makes God different from us, in particular, his awesome power and purity. This petition then asks that the praise and honor of the God of the Bible and of him only should be the issue of everything. So everything that we do, everything should be for the purpose of bringing glory and honor to God. Familiar verse that kind of points us in that direction is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, right? It says, so whatever you eat or drink, Or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. The purpose of us doing anything, if we are to set aside God as holy, is to bring glory to his name. Now lastly, as we look at the concept of hallowed, we're going to look at the Westminster Larger Catechism, question 190. I'm going to have that posted in the back only because it's rather long. This way you're able to follow along with me. So the question that it poses is, what do we pray for in the first petition? And this is how the Westminster Divines answered that question. They said in the first petition, which is how it would be thy name, acknowledging the utter inability and indisposition that is in ourselves and all men to God, honor God aright, we pray that God would by his grace enable and incline us and others to know, to acknowledge and highly to esteem him, his titles, attributes, ordinances, word, works, and whatsoever he is pleased to make himself known by, and to glorify him in thought, word, and deed, that he would prevent and remove atheism, ignorance, idolatry, profaneness, and whatsoever else is dishonorable to him, and by his overruling providence, direct and dispose of all things to his own glory. So when we pray, hallowed be thy name, we pray that as God discloses himself to us, whether it be through his word or his works or his attributes, in whatever way that God would present himself to us, that we would acknowledge it and give him the glory and honor that is due to his name. That is the mission of every one of us, and that is the mission of the church, to bring glory to God's name. We also, in praying this prayer, recognize that left to ourselves, we would not hallow God's name. So we pray that through his grace, God will strengthen and equip us to do so. And that is why we lift up this prayer to him, because we know, as I said earlier, left to ourselves, we are not a people. They're going to direct that attention away from ourselves and give it to the one that fully deserves that attention. So how do we hallow God's name? So we have this concept down of what it is to hallow. So how do we hallow God's name? And as you saw in the answer of the Westminster Larger Catechism, we do it in thought, word, and deed. I'm not going to go too deep in the thought, only because that's not something that's exhibited throughout the world on a daily basis. But our words. And our deeds are right so God does see our thoughts we are to have correct thoughts about him we're not to make up our own inclinations and thoughts about God and that's why we depend on the Bible to give us what we are to believe about God but once we do have that orthodoxy which is those correct thoughts down it must translate into a word I love to say it must translate into orthopraxy right and that's correct living so the way we talk and the way we live our lives should be evident that we hallow God's name. So how do we hallow God's name with our mouths? I'll give you a hint. You came here this morning. Most of you got here at 10 o'clock. you came in here afterwards, but that's neither here nor there. And we all raised our voices to God, acknowledging who he is. We acknowledged God's holiness as we sang holy, holy, holy. We acknowledge our need of God as we sang be thou my vision. Even as we look at this prayer and see it geared towards others, we encouraged all things. And we sang all creatures of our God and King to sing forth praise to the true and living God. So that is one way in which, especially as the body of Christ, we come together and hallow God's name. And the beauty of it is, is that when we come together, we do it with one voice. That's beautiful. We come together as the body of Christ and lift up name of God, exalting him over ourselves individually and over everyone else in this room. Put that on the back burner because that's going to be an important point in a minute. But how do we do it individually? How do we glorify God with our lips? My hope is that as we go about our everyday lives, um, we have interaction with people, especially some people who do not know who God is, that we're expressing God's greatness to them verbally. That we are showing people who God is with our mouths. Because somebody might wanna know why you act the way that you do, which we're gonna get into our actions in a little bit. So here's your opportunity to speak with your mouth and give glory to God and tell them about the greatness of the God we serve we also do it in individual prayer right so hopefully throughout the week we are going into our prayer closets and we're bringing prayer to our Heavenly Father not as the hypocrites do so not so everybody can see us and say oh what a pious individual that is but we go into our private spaces and we lift up our prayer to God and therefore hallow his name because here's the convicting part and as I'm preparing for this sermon And I don't know as you even hear my words today, if you feel the same way, one of the convicting things is is that I don't pray as I should. Don't pray as often as I should. So as I do that and as I live my daily life, whose name am I hallowing as I go about my daily life, not giving God the praise that he deserves? Because we're called to be thankful in all things. We're called to recognize that left to ourselves, we'd be dead in our trespasses and sins. Called to recognize that everything that we have is because of the grace of our Heavenly Father. So do we go about our week pausing and recognizing that and stopping and lifting our voices to God and thanking Him for all that He has done for us and for who He is? Because that is what we are Paul to do? And then when we do that, do we also now go throughout our day and let others know who this great God is? Because I'm sure all of us are blessed with opportunities to do so. The interesting thing is, and this is how awesome God is, first and foremost, obviously, God does not need us to do that, right? A tree does not need you to go up to it and say, hey, you're a tree. God in his holiness and in his greatness and in all his works and attributes does not need us. But in his goodness, he chooses to have us worship him and acknowledge him and sing his praises. Doesn't need it. But if we didn't do that, The Bible tells us the rocks would cry out. God's very creation would do it on our behalf anyway. So all we are doing is we're just joining in the rest of creation and doing what all of us should be doing anyway, and that's praising God for who he is. My hope is, and again, just because we live in such a fast-paced world, we fail to do this on multiple occasions, that we would just stop and pause and truly look, as we love to read, this passage of scripture that the heavens truly do declare the glory of God. So even if we don't, God's very creation itself is doing it for us. And as we sang earlier as well, the cherubim and the seraphim, as they're in the throne room continually before God, sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And my prayer is that as the people of God, Knowing who God is and the benefits that He has bestowed on us through Christ, that we would do the same thing. We would be a people who proclaim the name of God and glorify His name for the things that He has done. Some examples in the Bible of God's name being proclaimed. So we sang our songs earlier today, but here's some models in the Bible. From Psalm 111, 7 through 9, it says the works of his hand are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The psalmist just recognizes the holiness and awesomeness of God. Psalm 99, one through 3, the Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He sits enthroned on the cherubim. Let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted over all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. So if you're convicted like I am and you're wondering, I don't, I don't speak like that. How am I to praise God with my lips? Well, first and foremost, pray. That's the whole Point of this series, pray that God would give you the words to say that you might glorify your name, or his name rather, and embed yourself in the Psalms. Because what beautiful language the Psalms give us that we might sing praise towards God's name. And there's nothing wrong with reciting what's already been given to us in Holy Scripture that we might praise God for who he is. I can guarantee you won't go wrong in terms of wondering whether you're praying the right things when it comes to reciting God's word back to him and praising him for who he is. So we praise him with our lips, but we also praise God and hallow his name with our lives. And this is very important because obviously the way we live our lives is typically before an ever-watching world, especially in the world that we live in now, especially for people who live a life potentially on social media, your life is just out there before a living world for somebody to click on whatever account that you use and therefore see. So the word of God reminds us time and time again that we are to be mindful of how we live our lives, especially before our watching world because we are ambassadors of the living God. And remember, I can't stress this enough. Our mission as ambassadors is to show the world what God is like. We are to live our lives in such a way that the world sees God working through us and that our lives point towards God. 1 Peter 1, 13 through 25, it says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We are to live our lives in such a way that we're not conformed to this world. We're to live our lives in such a way that love is the mark, right? Because God is love. And we're to be mindful of the way that we conduct ourselves. And he just went through a whole list of what we're to do as we do that. Ephesians 5, 15 through 21. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance of the kingdom of Christ. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not associate with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, and giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. We're to be imitators of the true and living God if we are to hallow his name. We cannot keep the passions of this world and yet say we proclaim Christ. And Colossians also reminds us of this, if I can find my spot, Colossians chapter 3, 1 through 2, it says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. The rest of the chapter calls us to put to death what is earthly in us and to clothe ourselves with such things as compassion, kindness, forgiveness, and most of all, love. Verse 17 then exhorts, exhorts us rather to do the following. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. That is the calling of the people of God. We are to put off the world and put on Christ that we might show Him throughout the world and proclaim His name. <clears throat> I told you earlier to put some things on the back burner, especially when I talked about praising God with our lips and coming together and praising his holy name. Because as we discuss how we praise God or how we hallow his name with our lips and how we hallow his name with our lives, we must be careful that as we speak, because you heard some of the verses in there talking about our language and things of that nature, or how we live doesn't have the opposite effect. So if I'm conducting myself in a certain way And proclaiming God as my father, proclaiming Christ as my Lord, and yet living in a life that's contrary to what he has called me to live, I'm no longer hallowing his name, but I'm what? Blaspheming or profaning his name. And that is something that as the people of God, that we need to be careful that we do. That's why the verses encouraged us to be imitators imitators, rather, of God. The verse is encouraged us to watch our conduct because as we claim to be ambassadors of something, we should be representing the very thing that we claim to be ambassadors of and doing the very things that the one who has sent us out has called us to do because when we fail to do that, we're no longer hallowing his name but bringing discredit to his name and then proclaiming something that he is not. And I don't want to give a history lesson here, but we have a ton of history lessons where we can see that where in the name of Jesus, we put on a banner and said, we're gonna do this. And it did not proclaim the name of God. And here is where we as the people of God, especially in the very setting that we find ourselves now, have to be careful. So first and foremost, as individuals, And then even as a church, I said, you know, earlier, we came in here today, hopefully with one heart and mind to sing praises to God. Because, and again, here's another conviction. If Sunday morning I'm waking up and that's not my attitude, I'm no longer hallowing God's name. I'm profaning it. So if I'm coming in and I'm walking through these doors, and my concern more or less is more with what songs are being sung and who's singing it, as opposed to what the songs are supposed to do and who they're to be directed towards, I'm no longer hallowing God's name. Or if I came in with the attitude of who's preaching today and what are they preaching on and whether or not they're gonna hit a home run as they preach God's word, as opposed to what the preaching is calling us to do, then I'm no longer hallowing God's name if I came in with the attitude of I can't believe this church doesn't do this or this church doesn't do that and I'm more focused on whatever programs we have or the effectiveness of our programs whether we're doing them right or wrong or indifferently and that's my focus instead of coming before the living God and directing my praise towards him I'm no longer hallowing his name and not to steal thunder from what John is going to preach on next week, pretty much what I'm turning towards is my kingdom come and my will be done when I do that as opposed to God's kingdom come and his will be done because I want everything done my way that I might be pleased instead of things being done for the creator that he might be pleased. So we must watch our hearts when we come in here. Studying for this kind of even changed my perspective of a Sunday morning that just think about this as we come in here from the call to worship all the way through the benediction everything that we partake in as a body we do together to hallow God's name. Just think on that. That should change our perspective of Sunday morning. Should probably change our perspective from when the alarm clock goes off and I did not want to get up this morning either. It's kind of tough when the Seasons have transitioned, and you wake up, and it's still dark outside. I understand that. But, yeah, we, we should just have a, a totally different focus when it comes to Sunday, when we understand that the whole purpose of us coming together from start to finish is to hallow God's name. That's why we are here. That's why all of us should be here. I know there's still some, some fear when it comes to COVID, but as one body and one voice, we are coming together to hallow God's name. That's beautiful. And that's something that we must recognize and just think on continually so our hearts might be right before God. So we live our lives, we must be careful what we're proclaiming to a world outside. Because again, this falls into the whole my kingdom come and my will be done type mentality, we have a lot going on in our world. And you guys are going to hear me stress this probably from the pulpit time and time again. And I know we have various opinions on a variety of different things. But most of this stuff, I'm starting to feel we're placing above the creator. We're we're putting the created thing above the creator. So here we have these platforms that we get to utilize. And I know some might have opened it up to show grandchildren, children, whatever the case may be, which is a beautiful thing. But we're turning into something to raise our banner for something else other than the true and living God. So if, if I'm more worried about who's vaccinated, who's got masks on, who's doing this, who's doing that, and just continually beating that into people, more than I'm beating Christ into people, and probably beating at that point's a bad word, but you guys understand where I'm going with that. Pretty much my focus is no longer on hallowing God's name, it's pretty much on setting aside whatever my agenda is and putting that out so you might do my will. I feel you should do this, I'm gonna get on there and even hit the comment section to make sure you do this, and I'm no longer hallowing God's name as I do that. And that's something that we have to understand. And my tendency is to tell you what you should be doing that has nothing to do with Jesus, and I'm doing that more than directing you towards Jesus, yet claiming to be an ambassador of Christ, that's a problem. That's a serious problem. Because again, I'm no longer hallowing God's name. I'm directing everything towards myself and what I want. So please, we need to be mindful of what we're dealing. And in times such as these, again, no matter what you think of this virus or whatever the case may be, here is where we need to be directing people towards the one who truly saves. We need to be directing people toward the true and living God and pointing them towards that direction, not our own agenda. And that's my prayer for us, that everything that we do as the people of God, if we are to say that we are the people of God, we point people towards him. If not, and I know Pastor John says this a lot, then it's time to close up shop. If we're going to pretty much turn and point people in another direction, then we no longer can call ourselves the church because the mission of the church is to point people towards God, to proclaim his name and to tell people, what he is like, that they might come and worship him as well. In closing, and this makes life so much easier when we do something like this, our mission is to be like the one who gave us the prayer in the first place. Our calling is to be like Jesus. Jesus is the one who hallowed God's name. As he lived his life here on earth, he did what? He pointed everybody to the Father. That's why you hear repeatedly throughout the Gospels, Jesus referencing the Father. As the people of God, as we are more and more conformed into the image of Christ, may we be like Jesus and point people to the Father. Not that our will might be done, but that his will might be done. And that's an important distinction. We're not pointing people to the Father so that they can get correct thinking on what we want them to have correct thinking on, whether it be politically or whatever the case may be. We're pointing people to God that they might come to know him and proclaim his praise. So let us be faithful in doing that. Another way that we get to hallow. God's name today is as we partake in communion. Here we proclaim what Christ has done for us, something that we left to ourselves could not do for ourselves. And as you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, which we typically read a lot, see if I can find my verse here. It's different when you transition to a book as opposed to this because then it makes it hard to see. So I'm gonna have to lift this up a little bit. As we partake in the Lord's Supper, what we're doing is we're proclaiming his death until he what? Until he comes again. So we do this week after week to proclaim the death of Christ until he comes again. So now let us take this time take about a minute or so and what we're going to do is we're just going to just think of our sin that we might come before God right so I want you to take this time let us reflect on how we sinned against God today and thought word and deed potentially how we didn't hallow his name and let us repent of it and then let us partake in thankfulness for the blood and body of Christ that was broken for us that we might have that forgiveness of God